1: Presto, change rearrangeo. It's high noon for Monday, June 21st, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me I'm reasonable. You can also occasionally find me on Gab at I'm your moderator and the merch site is www.cancelcotour.com Today is the 152nd day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You allowed the television to convince you that all of the world's ills were caused by the man whose voice you didn't like. And so you voted for a man who would appease a modern-day version of the Nazi movement. You voted for a demented Neville Chamberlain a man who cannot think in complete sentences but nonetheless is happy to consider the Chinese Communist Party a partner and be swayed by the other G7 leaders that the best way to handle China and their slave labor and their takeover of independent states and their concentration camps where they have 2 million Muslim Uyghurs is to gently call them out in a letter what powerful leadership history doesn't look upon Neville Chamberlain kindly and we are supposed to imagine that Joe Biden doing the same and perhaps much worse is going to be the most popular president in american history i mean he had such a head start what with that 81 million votes i mean nearly an impossible standard of popularity some might even suggest that it is a totally impossible standard of popularity some might suggest that there's no way a demented old pervert who didn't campaign could somehow add 15 million votes onto Hillary Clinton's already fraudulent total from 2016. While the evil man with the voice that communists don't like added 12 million himself. So amazing. What magic? 27 million extra votes out of absolutely nowhere? How did that happen? If we're to expect that somehow Joe Biden had the kind of support and motivated support, I should say, that would draw out an extra 15 million voters, even as the other guy was so hated that he got 12 million more voters, you would have to think that a massive portion of the American population actually thinks that Joe Biden is doing a good job, except those people don't exist. Sure, there are some crazed communists on Twitter who are going to try to support literally anything Joe Biden does. But where are they in the American public? They're not anywhere. What happened to all those people who are so into politics and so knowledgeable? As Brian Stelter loses 80% of his audience and Nicole Wallace on MSNBC loses 70% of her audience. Where are all of those very high energy, very high information voters that were happy to tell you everything you needed to know about just how evil Trump was before the election? Where are they now? And the thing is, they're nowhere. Many of them didn't exist. That is what we're going to find out. But apart from that. They went out and voted for Joe Biden for show so that they could tell everyone else they're not the bad guy. Just one little problem. And it's this. Hey, commies, you voted to appease a modern-day Nazi regime. That is what you did. That is how your vote will be remembered. Whatever social credit you thought you were going to accrue by telling everyone that you were the moral wall, you were the firewall between America and the immorality that another Trump term would present. That's what you came out and tried to do. But that's not real. And the real result of your vote. Is that you empowered. A new form of Nazism. While screaming about fascists. As if you can define any of these terms. You did it for popularity. You did it because you were told the simplest moral judgment was that Trump must go. And so you voted for a man who was mentored in politics by a former grand Klegel and exalted Cyclops of the Ku Klux Klan. And you empowered him to appease China. That is the literal policy agreed upon at the G7. Germany, France, the UK, all of them are happy to appease China oh the chinese there are partners partners in what the only thing you can be partners on with the chinese communist party is the spread of global communism and the oppression of the common man across the world that's what you're partners on with the chinese and that my biden voting commie friends is exactly what you voted for. Now, that said, a warm Monday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hey, commies! I don't know how you started listening to my show, but hopefully it's because you want to immigrate back to America instead of staying in that little communist utopia that only exists in your mind. And I'm happy to report That all of us in America would be more than happy to welcome you back. So long as you leave all those communist ideas behind. And the thing is, I'm going to go ahead and mock and ridicule all of those communist ideas. And it's going to feel like I'm mocking and ridiculing you. But to the extent that you identify with all of those terrible, stupid, evil communist ideas, I am going to be mocking and ridiculing you. It's not personal, but you're going to have to get through it. And once you do, oh man, you get to come on back to America, find a nice little plot of land out on the range. Just simply rejoin society. All you got to do is take responsibility for what you've done. And what you have done is appeased a modern day Nazi regime. You think that's harsh? Sorry. The harshness of my statement has absolutely nothing to do with the truth value of it. It is true that you voted for an appeaser of a modern-day Nazi regime. Okay? And that appeaser was mentored by a Klansman. And the deep state that has existed in our country for the last six or seven decades has actually included genuine Nazis, imports of Nazism from Germany. And that ideology actually does still hold sway in America, just not in the Trump movement. So guess where that puts it? Oh, yeah, on your side. And if you want any more proof, just look at who you voted for. And just look at the fact that you're trying to cover up election fraud. You know, like dictatorial regimes do. That's you, commie. You understand that? That ain't us. All the things you accuse the other side of, that's you doing them. You can't presto change your way out of that, commie. You don't believe me? You think I'm going overboard? Well, check this out.
0: Okay, back in 2017, you had expressed concerns about the membership of the all white Bailey's Beach Club said that you hoped it would become more diverse. Now your family's been members, your wife is one of the largest shareholders. Has there been any traction in that? Are there any minority members of the club now? I think the people who are running the place are still working on that and I'm sorry it hasn't happened yet. Um, Do you have concerns in 2021? I mean obviously it's been four years. You had remarks on the floor following the death of Breonna Taylor. George Floyd saying, you know, hoping to root out systemic racism in the country. Um, your thoughts on an elite, all-white, wealthy club, again, in this day and age. Um, you know, should these clubs continue to exist? It's a long tradition in Rhode Island, and there are many of them. And uh, I think we just need to work our way through the issues. Thank you. The
2: car's here. You have to get okay.
1: you. Now, that there is Sheldon Whitehouse, senator from Rhode Island. Sheldon Whitehouse is a Democrat or as communists on Twitter, call him a Republican. Got that? If someone belongs to an all white club in 2021 and their family actually has a controlling interest in that all white club in 2021, then the senator is a Republican. Got it? That's how you know. If something is racist, it immediately becomes Republican. That is how brainwashed these communists are. They have actually come to accept that the Republican Party is racist automatically, even when the Democrat Party is the one being racist. And of course, the Democrat Party is the one being racist. The Democrat Party is always the one being racist. Why? Because the Democrat Party ideology relies on collectivism. And ultimately, collectivism will always lead to the same end. It is an ideology that is thrust forward through division of class against class, race against race, sex against sex. They don't care. They group people. They decide one group is the oppressor, the other group is the oppressed, and then they exploit these divisions in service of attaining more power. So it isn't even about the individual people in this movement, in the Democrat-Communist movement, I mean, like, yeah, fine, Sheldon Whitehouse clearly is interested in preserving the all whiteness of his Rhode Island beach club. But this isn't only a Sheldon White House problem. It's what his party is. It's what his movement is. And it can never be anything other than that. It doesn't matter how many times Democrat senators go out and say everyone else is racist. You just heard that right there. And watching the video, we can actually see Sheldon Whitehouse like smiling and happy to answer the question. It's like he doesn't even understand the problem. And he thinks it's odd that people are even bothering to ask him. Well, yeah, you know, that's just our tradition here in Rhode Island. We have all white beach clubs. And yeah, we said we were going to look into it and maybe fix it. And, you know, these things take time. It's only been four years. But we really have been, we've been studying it. And, you know, it's not just us. There's actually tons of these in Rhode Island. So, you know, we're not the problem. We're really just, like, this is just what we do here. It's odd that anyone would find a problem with this. The crazy thing, too, is, like, dude, just open your all-white beach club, to other races. What do you think's going to happen? There's only four black people in Rhode Island. But honestly, this is sick, right? How can you stand out there and defend an all-white members-only beach club in 2021 as a Democrat? And, of course, Sheldon Whitehouse isn't the only one doing that. Democrat Twitter is now fully engaged in defending him. First, they completely got it wrong. They thought he was a Republican. So all these communists on Twitter are actually tweeting about how Sheldon Whitehouse is a Republican. He's not. Imagine if a Republican senator had an all-white beach club and didn't seem the least bit bothered by it. That would be a national scandal. But the Democrat senator defending his all-white beach club, that's no problem. Because he's really fixing racism. I wonder if he's working hand-in-hand with the quote-unquote leader of his party, you know, the guy mentored by a Klansman. And if that's not ridiculous enough, there are pictures going around today of Kamala Harris's little Juneteenth brunch where she has what looks to be about 15 or 20 white women in the House and Senate at her brunch. The only... Black people in the room at Kamala Harris's Juneteenth brunch are the staff. Not a joke. Elizabeth Warren's in there. I think I saw Lisa Murkowski, Gene Shaheen. It's like they have reached this point where they think they're absolutely indestructible and they can just flaunt it now. And they attempt this retort in saying that, well, so many Republicans are white. Just look at the pictures of the House and Senate Republicans. They're all white. Well, first off, no, they aren't. But the other part of that is that this is almost a natural result of Democrats and the media and the entertainment industry. Putting out the narrative for decades that Republicans are the party of racism. That makes absolutely no sense. In fact, Republicans are responsible for the existence of Juneteenth, the real, actual Juneteenth. That wasn't Democrats doing that. It wasn't Democrats freeing slaves and abolishing slavery. That was Republicans. And in response, the Democrats started the KKK. And then about a hundred years later, you have Klansman Robert Byrd in the Senate, becoming the longest serving senator when he left office and mentoring the likes of Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. Maybe. Robert Bird was just a pioneer of anti-racism. You know, extra racism, but only to solve racism. But let's change subjects without a segue. So lots of new COVID scandal drama over the weekend. And then to top it off, Anthony Fauci went out and did his Anthony Fauci stuff. But first, let's go to this article from the Foundation for Economic Education. New Harvard data accidentally reveal how lockdowns crush the working class while leaving elites unscathed. Thursday, June 17th. This is by Brad Palumbo. Founding father and the second president of the United States, John Adams, once said that facts are stubborn things, and whatever may be our wishes, our inclinations, or the dictates of our passion, they cannot alter the state of facts and evidence. What he meant was that objective raw numbers don't lie, and this remains true hundreds of years later. We just got yet another example. A new data analysis from Harvard University, Brown University, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation calculates how different employment levels have been impacted during the pandemic to date. The findings reveal that government lockdown orders devastated workers at the bottom of the financial food chain, but left the upper tier actually better off. The analysis examined employment levels in January 2020 before the coronavirus spread widely and before lockdown orders and other restrictions on the economy were implemented. It compared them to employment figures from March 31st, 2021. The, paint, the picture painted by this comparison is one of working class destruction. Employment for lower wage workers, defined as earning less than $27,000 annually, declined by a whopping 23.6% over the time period. One out of every four low wage workers lost their jobs. Nearly one out of every four. Employment for middle-wage workers, defined as earning from 27000 to 60000 declined by a modest 4.5%. However, employment for high-wage workers, defined as earning more than 60000 actually increased 2.4% over the measured time period, despite the country's economic turmoil. The data are damning. They offer yet another reminder that government lockdowns hurt most those who could least afford it. Some critics argue that the pandemic, not government lockdowns, are the true source of this economic duress. While there's no doubt the virus itself played some role, government lockdowns were undoubtedly the single biggest factor. It's pretty intuitive that ordering people not to patronize businesses and criminalizing people's livelihoods would hurt the economy. The intuition is confirmed by data and studies showing as much. And don't forget the fact that heavy lockdown states have consistently had much higher unemployment rates than states that took a more laissez-faire approach. Others might insist that the mitigation of the spread of COVID-19 accomplished by lockdowns justifies this economic fallout. But this argument fails to account for the many peer-reviewed studies showing lockdown orders did not effectively slow the pandemic spread or the painfully inconvenient fact that most COVID-19 spread occurred not in workplaces, restaurants or gyms, but at home, making stay at home orders seem like an astonishing mistake in hindsight. So all lockdowns really seem to have accomplished is at best a mild delay in the pandemic's trajectory in exchange for a host of lethal unintended consequences, such as a mental health crisis and skyrocketing drug overdoses. And as we now know, a highly regressive economic fallout for the working class. Of course, Ivy League researchers almost certainly did not intend to expose the failings of big government pandemic policies when they set out to catalog employment data. But as Adam said, facts are stubborn things now. Looking at this last paragraph, it is interesting to consider what they thought they might be getting out of this study initially, and it is possible that they thought this would just be accepted by the communists reading this study as proof that the pandemic harmed low-income workers, therefore, the government needs to step in And give all of these people money for doing nothing. And by the way, let's not forget that I myself am one of the people whose jobs and industries were destroyed by California lockdown. But if you've paid attention to politics for the last, I don't know, 13 years, let's just say 13 years When Barack Obama became president is a pretty good marker for when this stuff became so prominent. The idea that if they make people poor, they can use the fact that those people are poor to further implement the communist agenda. And so it makes sense on some level that they would fund studies like this and that they would report studies like this, because despite the fact that that it actually is their policy that caused this. They can disregard that because there isn't a media that will check them on it. And their voters certainly don't care because their voters don't know anything. It seems that they are happy and satisfied to simply keep repeating the narrative that the poor... We were most harmed by the pandemic. Not by their policies, but by the pandemic. And so now they have to solve this problem. And the way to solve the problem is by starting to pay people to like them again. And in paying people, they are able to exert even more control over the lives of these people because they have made these people dependent on the government just to live. Now on the Republican side, Senator Ron Johnson has been out doing great, great work communicating honestly about COVID, its origins, the response vaccines, everything else. He's been absolutely awesome. And he was on Maria Bartiromo yesterday. So I'm going to play clip of that
0: how absurd senator johnson is the way you continue to get censored so now you're banned from youtube again uh temporarily youtube suspended you again last week for what they say was a violation of the platform's misconduct policy what happened last week senator well again just what i've been saying for well over a year is i've been trying to Uh, alert Americans the fact that there are early treatments options and try and find them, Uh, they pulled that off. And by the way, you know, Maria, if if it weren't for Fox Nation, uh, if you had to rely on YouTube, this segment right here would be censored immediately on YouTube. Think of that. The the other thing that Dr. Fauci and and the media is uh, is ignoring right now is the early warning signals of the vaccine adverse effect reporting system. We we have close to 5,000 deaths. Over 1,700 within days zero, one, and two of getting vaccinated. We, we have, uh, you know, thousands of people with permanent disabilities, 20,000 hospitalizations, and that quite honestly compares to less than 200 deaths per year through the entire 30-year history of the VAERS system. With other vaccines, they're not paying attention. They are suppressing this information, and the American people are paying the price.
1: Can you believe that conspiracy theorist? Wow, what a crazy wingnut. What a tinfoil hat wearing senator. Gosh, what an irresponsible senator. I can't believe we have senators like that serving in the Senate. Oh, wait, Sheldon Whitehouse owns a all-white beach club? <laughs> yeah, Ron Johnson sounds terrible. What a bad guy. What is he, on? The current belief is that the VAERS system is actually undercounting these vaccine-related deaths and illnesses from this COVID-19 experimental gene therapy. Undercounting, not overcounting. And he said quite clearly, an average of 200 incidents a year is now well over 5,000 in just the past few months. All of this for a disease that is only capable of killing One out of every 1,000 people who get it, not one out of every 1,000 people, one out of every 1,000 people who gets infected with COVID might die of COVID. And almost all of those people are older than 70 years old with a significant number of comorbidities. The average is four other causes of death. And for that, we are forcing people to take a vaccine. That has already killed 5,000 people. And that, my friends, is a travesty. On Friday, uh, wide receiver Cole Beasley of the Buffalo Bills put out a statement about how he's not going to get the vaccine. And he's just going to go ahead and live his life the way he sees fit, which shouldn't be remotely controversial. Of course, it is now. And everybody on Twitter decided to attack him. You know, I'm, i have as I've said before, a pretty big sports fan. I mean, becoming less so every day over the last year and a half, which has been really disappointing because that was really something I enjoyed. But it's become almost impossible to watch, almost impossible to deal with. And this app called The Score, which I check on fairly often to see what's happening around the different leagues, read some sports news if I feel like it. They have this article up about how to talk to anti-vaxxers like Cole Beasley. How do you talk to someone who is so crazy and stupid? The article is basically saying. And they have this picture of Cole Beasley on the front, like missing a tooth with his hair all crazy, his face all screwed up because he's making a funny expression. And they're like, look at this inbred white trash moron who's not taking the vaccine. That's what they meant the picture to communicate. Imagine he had been a black wide receiver and they had played that game. Again, that would be a a scandal. Twitter would be very upset. Instead, no big deal. The score gets all the plaudits. They repeat rampant medical misinformation throughout the article, talking about how safe the vaccines are, how everyone should take them. And Cole Beasley, of course, gets thrown to the wolves on social media. Now, Cole Beasley's a grown man. He can take it. It's not like that's going to sway his decisions. He also said, listen, I've made a decent amount of money in the NFL. I've had a decent career. If this vaccination thing, is going to be what I have to retire for, I'll do it. And good for him. It's hard to blame a player for thinking that way. The NFL actually has a protocol for vaccinated individuals. And here's some of the things that they're doing to try to force their players to get vaccinated, which, by the way, is so sick. And such terrible business. These are among the most fit men in the entire world. All right. They are supremely talented athletes. Many of them in absolutely perfect shape. Now, yeah, there's offensive linemen, too. (laughs) But even those big dudes are in incredible shape for their size. So. Fully vaccinated people don't have to test for covid daily. That right there already makes no sense. Why would you have to test anyone who's vaccinated for the disease they're vaccinated against? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's different now because these aren't vaccines and they don't actually prevent you from getting COVID. Good point. Meanwhile, a guy like Cole Beasley has to do a COVID test every single day. That is terrible. Masks are not required at the club facility or during team travel. If you're vaccinated, but if not, then you have to wear a mask at the facility and during travel. Why? No reason just to torture you for not doing what they say, because there is no way in hell that anyone at the NFL is confused about whether or not masks work. They know masks don't work and they're enforcing this anyway. The fully vaccinated don't have to physically distance in the club facility or with other vaccinated individuals. But if you're like Cole Beasley, you must remain physically distant from others in the club facility. Got that segregation? No problem. The fully vaccinated don't have to quarantine after they've had a high risk exposure to COVID. Whereas the Cole Beasley's of the world do. And don't mistake what this is. Quarantine after a high risk exposure to COVID. Now, what's that? Someone on the team testing positive for COVID, whether or not they're symptomatic, whether or not they can spread it to anyone, whether or not that person is vaccinated. All of a sudden, just based on the fact that they're on the same team, they're basically employed by the same company, and someone at the company tests positive. So now, Cole Beasley has to miss a week or two weeks. Players are going to lose their roles on the team. They're going to have their statistics for the year reduced, which will put them in a worse spot in the future for contract negotiations. This thing is actually a really big deal. Will Cole Beasley have to go quarantine for two weeks if they find out someone else on the team? Has tested positive? That's insane. No travel restrictions for the fully vaccinated. But if you're Cole Beasley, then travel restrictions are in effect. They don't really tell us too much about what that means. If you're Cole Beasley, you can only have 15 players in the weight room. This doesn't even make sense. Is that 15 unvaccinated players? They'll probably be happy. They'll have the entire unvaccinated part of the squad they just get to hang out together all the time if you're not vaccinated you can't eat in the cafeteria with your teammates you have to be physically distanced in the meal room they're not allowed to eat around their teammates and non-player staff can only come in to grab their food and then take it away where is the science behind that huh Tell me that NFL, what the science are you using for any of this? This one is crazy. The fully vaccinated have no restrictions on social media marketing sponsorship opportunities. Whereas players like Cole Beasley are not allowed to do any of those things. So you can't do sponsored posts on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook You can't do commercials. You can't get outside sponsorships. You basically have to forego all that money because the NFL is mad that you're not getting vaccinated. So you're not allowed to make money by selling your personal image and likeness. Unvaccinated people aren't allowed to use the sauna or the steam room. And check this one out. Fully vaccinated players are allowed to interact with vaccinated family and friends during team travel, but the Cole Beasley's of the world may not leave the team hotel to eat in restaurants, may not interact with anyone outside of team traveling party during team travel. You got that? So basically they are saying to the players, if you choose not to be vaccinated We are going to ostracize you in every possible way. We are going to unperson you. You're still going to be allowed to come on the field and play on Sunday because it's COVID safe out there. But everything else, every other part of your life for this duration of the season, which, by the way, they're already into like optional team exercises and mini camps And then training camp starts properly in less than a month. If their team is good, they might be in the playoffs until mid-January, early February, if they make it to the Super Bowl. So you're talking about July, August, September, October, November, December, January, seven months where you are treated as a pariah ostracized by your own team. This is disgusting. And by the way, it's all fun and games when it's a Cole Beasley type guy, just like a a crazy white dude who says he's not going to do it. He doesn't care. And he'll happily retire if they try to mess with him. But he even said in his statement, like, I'm actually speaking for a lot of players. And many of these guys don't feel like they're in a position to come speak out. And doesn't that sound familiar? People who aren't financially secure are unable to stand up for themselves because the financial risk and the career risk is too high for them. So instead, they're forced into compliance with something they don't want to do, something that has permanent health implications for the rest of their lives. And they're being forced into silence because they have this exceptional career that can provide for them and their families for potentially a couple of generations. So they have that on the one side and they have take the experimental gene therapy on the other side. And I was thinking, like, how is it possible that the NFL is doing this? To its players. I mean, this is really extreme stuff. And then I was like, well, you know, it's pretty interesting what's been happening to the NFL over the last five years. Politicians have been trying to cancel the NFL in one way or another for CTE, which is the concussion syndrome that players have developed because of all the helmet to helmet contact and otherwise. Over the past few decades. And on some level, that's totally understandable. It's still these players own personal responsibility to choose for themselves the health risks they're willing to take. And you may say, yeah, but the vaccine is the same thing. It really isn't. It really isn't. The players can consciously choose whether or not to be in the NFL. Once they have made the choice to put their body on the line for their family, for themselves, for their career, because that's what they love, any of those are good reasons. You can't then coerce them into taking an experimental gene therapy that is only available on an emergency use authorization. That's coercion. The vaccine actually has nothing to do with their ability to do their job. Getting hit often is an aspect of football that is not going to go away. The vaccine is unrelated. If you refuse to get hit, you simply can't play football. That's just an automatic thing going in. It would be like wanting a job as a stripper and refusing to take off your clothes. You're not going to have much of a career doing that. And I have yet to see Any strip clubs, well, I haven't seen any strip clubs, but I have yet to see any stories about strip clubs coercing their employees into vaccination. And you might argue (laughs) that that would be a more appropriate place for it. Now, of course, there is no appropriate place for it because COVID can't kill any of these people and the vaccines can't prevent you from dying from COVID. They can only cause you to die from the vaccine. If you're that age and of reasonable, normal health for that age. We're talking about 20 and 30 year olds here. We're not talking about 70 year olds. I can't wait to see how Tom Brady handles this because there is no way anyone is going to force that dude to get vaccinated if he doesn't want to. Now, let's check in with the Nazi doctor himself, Anthony Fauci. This is from the National Pulse today, Raheem Kassam and Natalie Winters. Fauci let slip that Mark Zuckerberg offered him resources and money in redacted emails. Dr. Anthony Fauci has revealed what Mark Zuckerberg offered him in the redacted portions of his recently released emails. The conversation, he admitted, included offers of resources and money from the Facebook founder who recently plowed cash into interfering in the 2020 election. The National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease director divulged further information as pressure ramps up over his personal emails and the series of stunningly poor and hypocritical political decisions he appears to have taken over the course of the pandemic. Fauci's research and that of his colleagues has been repeatedly linked to Chinese Communist Party entities, including the hostile nation's military. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg's activities circle the same networks, with the billionaire tech CEO recently funneling money to long-term Fauci colleague Dr. Ralph Barrick. Following the National Pulse's reporting on these matters, the Facebook-funded fact-checker, Lead Stories, began to censor the National Pulse content on social media. Appearing on the Sway podcast published by the New York Times, Fauci revealed what was behind the redactions in his emails with Zuckerberg, which were released through a Freedom of Information Act request. Host Kara Swisher, who has interviewed Zuckerberg a number of times, notes to Fauci. Thousands of your emails dating from January to June of 2020 have recently been released by BuzzFeed in the Washington Post that's giving your critics, particularly on the right, more material to work with. Your redacting of Mark Zuckerberg has added more fuel to the fire. Representatives Jim Jordan and James Comer and Senator Marsha Blackburn have alleged that you worked with Facebook to censor speech. And you're just laughing at me, right? She asks while Fauci laughs before asserting. No, no. The reason I'm laughing, Kara, because every single one of those emails can be explained in a way that is perfectly normal, perfectly innocent and completely above board. What does Fauci regard as being above board precisely? The offer of private funding for him and his organizations, despite being a government employee in any other world, this would be constituted as a form of a bribe toward a government official. Now, I encourage everyone to read this entire National Pulse piece, but I'm going to skip ahead and play the audio of this podcast, and we can listen to exactly how Anthony Fauci responds to this and pay particular attention to when he starts laughing and how he ramps up the laugh. Now, nothing funny is happening, so he's clearly not just overcome with the humor of the situation. He's trying to make this Extremely serious issue. Seem like something ridiculous for people to even worry about at all.
3: It's particularly on the right, more material to work with. Um, your redact emails with Mark Zuckerberg have added fuel to fire. Representatives Jim Jordan and James Comer and Senator Marsha Blackburn have alleged you worked with Facebook to censor speech. Are You're just laughing at me, right?
2: No, no, the reason I'm laughing, Karen, because every single one of those emails can be explained in a way that is perfectly normal, perfectly innocent, and completely above board.
3: Were you trying to get help with your Instagram? What was happening? No, no,
2: Well, you know, I don't know who redacted that. When people ask for my emails, I don't look through my emails and say, okay, I'll give you this one and redact this. It's completely out of my control. So you want to know what the email was really about? Hey, big scoop. here. Yeah, we're going to go. Mark said, hey... Is there anything that we can do to help out, to get the messages out, the right public health messages? I have a very important medium here in Facebook. Can I help? And as a matter of fact, if you guys don't have enough resources and money to do some of the things you want, just let us know. It was about as friendly and innocent an email as you could possibly imagine. So, not about whether to censor speech related to COVID, anything. Oh, else? absolutely, one hundred percent. And any thought of that is total conspiracy theory and total flight of fantasy.
3: Did you send that these emails were going to be released before they were published?
1: Uh, got that. <laughs> That's how he's laughing to make it sound like the Republican representatives and Senator Marsha Blackburn are just completely off their rockers to be concerned about this. Anthony Fauci says that he did not do the redactions and he did not decide which emails to release. But there is reporting that says the exact opposite. And I've said that on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. They talked about how, yes, this actually took so long Because Anthony Fauci or his office were the ones who decided to redact these parts of the emails. And Anthony Fauci goes ahead and gives away the redacted part of the email from Zuckerberg. There was a big chunk at the bottom of that Zuckerberg email that was just completely redacted. And Fauci just went ahead and gave it all away. He just said that Mark Zuckerberg was happy to supply resources to Anthony Fauci and his little project. And Fauci calls it a conspiracy theory that he had anything to do with the censorship of anyone who has the temerity to suggest in public that Anthony Fauci, who is obviously lying, is obviously lying. If you suggest that you get banned from social media, I can tell you that's true because I got banned from social media, from Instagram for consistently talking about how full of shit Anthony Fauci was. Why was I doing that? Because it was so obvious that Anthony Fauci was full of shit. Anthony Fauci's daughter works for Twitter. Anthony Fauci is in an email conversation with Mark Zuckerberg, where Zuckerberg is asking Fauci what he might need to make sure that the right message goes out. What else could Mark Zuckerberg have meant? Honestly, what else could he have meant? The only thing he can mean is something that leads to censorship. They want to have one concrete story on Facebook about the coronavirus. And that story is going to be whatever Anthony Fauci says it's going to be. And then the next step after that was to censor everybody who didn't go along with that story. So Anthony Fauci working in conjunction with Mark Zuckerberg cannot be anything other than the project of censorship. Anthony Fauci might himself say that it wasn't him who suggested the censorship. Okay. What difference does that make? Censorship was suggested to you and you went along with it. Therefore, it isn't a problem. You took money from the company doing the censorship so that you could keep doing your thing. And all of this, while that very same company was putting half a billion dollars into stealing the 2020 election in large part due to the push for universal mail-in balloting. That was a result of the way Anthony Fauci handled the pandemic suggesting things like lockdowns, suggesting it might not be safe to go vote. And then, of course, himself saying last August that it was no problem to go vote. If you can go run your errands, if you can go to the grocery store, then you can safely go vote in person. But that wasn't the story, and that's sure not the story Facebook gave us. That's not the story Democrats gave us. In fact, Nancy Pelosi held back COVID relief As long ago as last May, when they started negotiating for the second covid package, part of that negotiation was that they wanted universal mail in balloting and universal ballot harvesting. Those were two of the main priorities in those negotiations. And they're two of the main priorities in the Democrats H.R. One bill to permanently steal elections. Those weren't little things. They were the entire point. They wanted to steal the election. Mark Zuckerberg literally paid for a variety of ways that they could and would eventually steal the election. But we're supposed to believe that everything Anthony Fauci did and said in the relationship with Mark Zuckerberg was totally above board. I mean, it's not his fault that Facebook wants to make sure that His words are the only words allowed to be spoken about the coronavirus. How could that be his fault? He wasn't the one censoring. And what we see here is exactly the same as what we see with the California Secretary of State's office, the Massachusetts government with Dr. Shiva and something that happened around the rest of the country. The government doesn't censor directly. The government just advises the private company. On how to censor everyone. And if the private company. Happens to pay. These individuals. Or their organizations. Well. That's totally above board. Because the private company. Just wants to make sure. That all the good work we're doing. Can continue. But keep laughing Nazi doctor. I'm sure it will only get funnier for you. And let's check out. Another complete hack. And disaster. Kevin McCarthy. This is. From yesterday in just the news, McCarthy demands COVID intel be declassified. Americans be allowed to sue China. It's from John Solomon. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy demanded Sunday that the House Intelligence Committee's probe into COVID-19's origins be declassified and that China's sovereign immunity be suspended so Americans can have transparency and sue Beijing for reparations for the pandemic's toll. We should lift the sovereign immunity so the 600,000 individuals who died, their families could actually have justice and sue China, McCarthy told the Fox News show Sunday Night America. The California Republican called for sweeping measures to punish Beijing and give Americans more transparency into how the pandemic started, including relocating the 2022 Winter Olympics from China. They should not be held in Beijing. If China lied to the rest of the world, why should the world reward them, McCarthy says. Declassifying the House Intelligence Committee's data on where the virus originated from. Yeah. Why haven't they done that? Why isn't it okay for Americans to know what the American intelligence agencies know about the origin of coronavirus? You'd think that if it came from a bat or a pangolin, they would have absolutely no problem in just releasing the information, right? Why do you need to hold back an intelligence report that says, oh, yeah, it just came from the wild? (laughs) It was a bat. It was a bat the whole time. We were just keeping it a secret to build suspense. McCarthy wants to limit the number of visas for Chinese seeking to visit the United States. Oh, well, yeah, that's a good that's a good idea, especially now that we know a full third of the Chinese students in our country are actually Chinese spies. Maybe limiting visas would be a strong first step. And McCarthy wants to halt all U.S. funding to the World Health Organization for its failure to more aggressively pressure China to come clean about the virus earlier in the process. Oh, that's interesting. You know who did that already? Donald Trump. Good luck, Kevin McCarthy, getting Joe Biden to do that. It almost seems like you're just saying things. That have absolutely no weight whatsoever. Because you, Kevin McCarthy, refused to examine the overwhelming evidence of election fraud. Why did you do that, Kevin McCarthy? Oh, yeah, it's because you're absolutely as corrupt as the Democrats. Think about who had to pay for this, he said. Three million and eight hundred thousand people have lost their lives because China lied to the world. Six hundred thousand of those three point eight million are Americans. And for so long, with social media denying our ability to even talk about it of where it came from. The first thing we should do is declassify the intelligence that would show us it came from Wuhan. Oh, what? it Well, if you already know that, then why aren't you just out there acting on that fact? We don't actually need to have the intelligence report come out for something we already know. What is the problem here? The problem is that without that intelligence report coming out, then the media will continue to lie about it. Well, I mean, I guess if that's the problem, go ahead and put the evidence out. But the evidence is already all out. The report's not, but the evidence is all there. The media is not just going to start taking it more seriously. McCarthy also criticized President Biden for sending $40 million in fresh monies to the WHO with no strings attached. Oh, yeah. What a relationship. Little NSA action. Getting all NSA with the WHO. But seriously, the WHO covered up the origin of the coronavirus. Lied about human-to-human transmission. Held back information about the virus for six weeks. And has basically lied about everything every step of the way. Although they now are also saying, that the vaccine is safe for people above 18. Don't let that stop Anthony Fauci from recommending it to two-year-olds. But President Trump separates from the WHO and defunds the WHO, and Joe Biden goes ahead and gives them back $40 billion of American tax money. We cannot get to the origin of this by listening to China or the WHO, he said. We should declassify the information and find first and foremost where it came from and let the entire world know. Why wasn't Kevin McCarthy clamoring for this 15 months ago? Kevin McCarthy is the definition of a feckless weakling. He doesn't lead his party. The party is not lined up behind him. He goes out there like a confident truth speaker 15 months after many of us, most of us already knew the truth. And now he's saying that we need the report out there so that we know this truth that I'm already telling you. Well, yes, I can tell you that all of this is true, but what we really need to do is get the report out there. And he's talking about allowing Americans to sue China. The Americans that died from COVID are allowed to sue China. That makes no sense. Why? First of all, are only those Americans allowed to sue China because Being murdered while having a covid test within the last 60 days does not sound like a good cause to be able to sue China. Certainly not a better cause than having your industry or your career destroyed by Democrat Communist Party officials who decide that your business is not essential. I think they should be able to sue China. In fact, I think that they should be the first people to be able to sue China. Because those 600,000 deaths, sad though they may be, did not happen to people who were working productively in the economy by and large. And most of them did not happen as a result of the coronavirus. They are simply statistics. And I'm not saying I'm using them as statistics. I'm saying that the public health community and people like Kevin McCarthy have used them as statistics. Pretending that someone who died of a heart attack actually died with COVID because that story is better aligned with the political narrative you wish to push, that's using people as statistics. The entire country should be able to sue the Chinese Communist Party, or better yet, how about we don't have to do that and we have a strong leader who demands reparations from China for releasing a biological weapon That disrupts life for the entire world for over a year and pushes hundreds of millions of people into extreme poverty, creates mental illness and drug addiction, makes it impossible for people to get elective surgeries, makes it impossible for them to get cancer screenings. All of those people deserve reparations from China. All of the people whose financial lives were destroyed, whose careers and industries were destroyed. As a result of the Democrat Communist Party's policies, they all deserve reparations from the Chinese Communist Party as well. Now, I want to update one more thing, and then I'm going to play a couple of clips of Donald Trump's appearance on Real America's Voice today with David Brody. But over the weekend, Ken Bennett, who is the public liaison for the Arizona audit, was asked specifically about the number of missing ballots The 200,000 that were reported and the interview asked him, hey, what's the deal with this? And Ken Ken Bennett was like, fake news. We haven't put out a number now. Could mean that the number is nowhere close to 2000 and that all that reporting was wrong, that OAN was just way off. I really do doubt that. The other thing it could mean is that Ken Bennett just is being honest with the fact that, no, that number doesn't come from us. We have not released any number. Whatever is being reported is presumptuous at this point. And that's fine. He can be as cagey as he wants about that stuff. And I've said many times, if it takes them until the final audit report comes out, I guess that's what we have to deal with. But I do have a hard time believing that OAN just pulled this number out of nowhere and reported it. And then even people like Sidney Powell reposted that. So. We got to take a wait and see approach. You know, obviously a week ago, we didn't get confirmation on that number. I said that was possible. I would have loved to have that con- that confirmation, but if it's going to be three weeks from now, four weeks from now, or eight weeks from now, whatever it is, I, and I think all of us should want what is best for the audit and the legitimacy of the audit. So if that takes Ken Bennett knocking down some theories That may be false or may be true, but this isn't the time for them and they're not going to confirm anything. All good. Anyway, going to play two clips from Trump's interview today.
2: I checked, I don't want to listen to the mainstream media. Uh, Their headlines are ridiculous. There is talk out there
0: uh, by a certain segment of the MAGA faithful. They truly believe you're going to be somehow reinstated in August. There's actually a poll out, a Morning Console poll, that says 30% of Americans, or excuse me, 30% of Republicans uh, actually think that as well. So can you set the record straight? Do you believe you could be potentially reinstated at that point? What's your view?
3: Well, just so you understand, there is a large I've been seeing those same polls. They're not my polls, they're polls taken by, I guess, media and others. And uh, there is a tremendous percentage, much higher than that, that think the election was rigged and stolen. And uh, I don't uh, I don't speak for other people. I can only tell you what I say. And, you know, frankly, this isn't unique because uh, Hillary Clinton went around saying it. And uh, Stacey Abrams is still saying about her race in uh, Georgia. So this is nothing that's totally unique. But I will say that uh, in this case, uh, there was—they uh, had— no evidence. In this case, there's massive evidence. It's coming out of Georgia. It's coming—I mean, just take a look at what's happening. Read the papers. Now, a lot of the mainstream media—in fact, almost all of it—refuses to cover it. And uh, they—why? I don't know. It's all Pulitzer Prize material. But they refuse to cover it. But you take a look at the uh, numbers coming out of Arizona. Now, they're doing an audit right now. I have nothing to do with the audit. The audit is— is taking place it's the state senate and i think they're great patriots frankly if you want to know the truth but the state senate of arizona they're doing an audit i don't know when it's going to be released the numbers but i would imagine they'd be very revealing and georgia likewise and pennsylvania is uh, i from what i heard starting an audit because they've found things that they are not happy with no these numbers i think are going to prove to be massive
0: yeah. But what about the reinstatement part? Is that is that bogus? Is well, I'm that... not
3: going to comment on that. I'm going to just see yeah. what happens. If okay. uh, the election was fraudulent, uh, people are going to have to make up their own minds. It's not going to be up to me. It's going to be up to uh, the public. It's going to be up to perhaps politicians. I, I don't think there's ever been a case like this where hundreds of thousands of votes will be found. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens.
1: So. I think that tracks pretty well with what I've been saying, that the public force behind this is what's going to get this over the finish line. Trump is not going to take the lead and try to force the situation. That's our role. We make sure that everybody knows what happens and we encourage people to act in accordance with what is right like legitimately right, morally right, preserve the integrity of people's votes by making sure that the person who won that election, the presidential election, and every other election is actually the one sitting in office instead of all these usurping fakes that we currently have pretending to represent us. And let's end on this happy note.
3: No, I never admitted defeat. We have a lot of things happening right now. I think that that was an election that was, I don't think all you have to do is read the newspapers and see what's coming out now. No, I never, the word is concede. I have not conceded.
1: There's not much doubt in that statement, is there? No concession, never. He has never conceded. He never will concede. And we are going to get to the bottom of every. Little bit of it. So like Trump said in the interview today, stay tuned. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye.